Hi, it's Jack Hill here, and I'm listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House, and it's really very refreshing to hear this kind of a, this kind of an interview. And um, I hope you listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, been great fun. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Millbog Manor Studios. Our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I am your host, Dylan Rory. Today, it's part two with Frank Santopadre, co-host of Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I've come up a lot on this show. I talk about it a lot. I absolutely stole their format to put this one together. Uh, I really, really enjoyed talking to Frank. He is uh, just a fascinating man, and his passion for what they were doing with that podcast comes through, especially in this episode. We get into a lot of the details about the work that he put in on it. And uh, it's it's uh, really kind of a, an interesting and touching story about he and Gilbert meeting and uh, creating this podcast. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy it. Talk to you afterward. Well, let's let's get to the podcast. Please. Uh, so you you and Gilbert met. Um, I mean, you had, you, had, you had been seeing him uh, perform and really liked him and ended up kind of following his career. Um, yes. And then, then you guys met for real in the early nineties. Um, I, I like to tell the story. Caroline's of, at the seaport, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Are okay. you a Simpsons watcher? Oh yes. Do you remember the running gag where the writers would constantly find a way to involve Homer in Mr. Burns life and he <laughs> had no idea who Homer was like his son gave, gave Mr. Burns a transfusion, right? <laughs> you know all, his Simpson wife painted mr burns in the nude yeah who is that blob <laughs> that's one of your drones from seven sector g's they never had homer simpson eh simpson eh I yeah like the cut of <laughs> it's my bad harry shearer i must have met gilbert 14 times and he had no idea who i was on the 10th time the 11th time the 13th time <laughs> even when we started the podcast you know here we were in business together <laughs> vague a vague knowledge of my existence but i would uh in 1980 thereabouts 81 i went to my first comedy club mm -hmm. at the tender age of 20 um and saw him at at the comic strip right around the corner from where i am now okay on, on the upper east side and uh he must have been on snl at that time but i wasn't watching snl after the original mm -hmm. i watched a couple of them and i thought well you know Gail Mathias and 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 uh, and Charlie Rocket are not right. Gilda and Chevy. Mm -hmm. uh, no disrespect to them. Uh, so Gilbert wasn't really on my radar SNL wise. Yeah. Uh, but this guy came up on the stage. I saw a couple of ordinary kind of comics or you know workman like comics that were you know were funny. This gum guy comes up and he's clutching the mic and he's screaming and he's shrieking and he doesn't open his eyes and he's doing Norman Fell jokes. <laughs> and he's doing jokes about George Maharis and he's doing jokes about Ben Gazzara meeting extraterrestrials and and Chico Marx in Psycho. Right. Sure, we got plenty of rooms. Chico Marx and a view from the bridge. Hey, this is hey, some nice bridge. Some bridge. You know the bits. I thought, what in the hell is this? You know, again, mm -hmm. I'm 20. I'm naive. I don't know a lot about comedy. I don't know anybody in comedy. But right. I know 
who Checo Marx is, and I know that Checo Marx in Psycho is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> or Ben Gazzara, you know, extraterrestrials landing on Gilbert's lawn. That right. was a first-person story. Yeah. Again, this involved eight, nine-minute setup that leads to extraterrestrials emerging from a smoking <laughs> ship on his lawn in the dark in the middle of the night and him rubbing his eyes and the terrestrial extra, extraterrestrial opens his mouth to speak and says you want me to do it is, yeah you do it uh, bigotter is a pretty good actor how come it doesn't get any more work how come he can't get a series can't get a series can't get a series that was it and the, the you know the craftsmanship the the thoughtfulness the 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 inventiveness mm -hmm. you know Charles Manson comes up to him at a party and says, is it hot in here or am I crazy? <laughs> the jokes were so funny, so smart, so irreverent. And then he was talking to me, you know, mm -hmm. he was doing jokes about Whit Bissell and Ted Bessel and, and, and doing, you know, Eddie Canner jokes and jokes about, uh, I'm Dickens, he's Fenster and mm -hmm. just stuff that, you know, it, they were like jokes out of the TV guide from 10 years ago. It was, it was like, it, and it was, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. Transformative, as I said at Gilbert's service, you know. So you uh, you guys tra meet, transformational for me. You you obviously you both met and had this this love of all these old character actors. Of, we did um, old Hollywood, the Marx Brothers, all of that in common. Um, when it, it I'm just gonna kind of fast forward here, so we we don't run out of time. But um, it's okay. You you get to the point where you're sitting around and talking and going, you know, we, we need to do something to honor these people. Well, I'll tell you quickly about how he didn't know who I was. And then I'll segue into that. Okay. <laughs> when I saw him, I fell in love with that. I said, I have to see this guy again. I said to my friend that I was with, I have to see him again. I was too anxious or, or shy to approach him there. Mm -hmm. But Caroline's opened a club on the, at the seaport, which is now gone. And, uh, and it was off really off the track. And so he would go there in those days. He had a work ethic. <laughs> he would go there <laughs> He would do an hour and 20, wow. hour and 30 of just, and then, and, and the last 15 minutes. I mean, that's I could, so, that's insane. Yeah. I do stand up and 10 minutes kills me. There you go. He would do, I mean, this was Elvis, you know, in his prime, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, and he would just do, and, and I think he would ad lib, you know, stuff or try out new stuff or, or he'd milk a bit where he'd hold the mic and he'd just keep doing the same bit <laughs> over and over again for 10 minutes until it was the funniest thing you ever heard. Mm -hmm. And I followed him. I found out what clubs he was in. I, you know, there were no websites there. Then I'm right. not, not, not going to go on. There was no GilbertGodfrey.com. Where's he going to be? Mm -hmm. But, but he kept showing up at places I'd show up. And as I started to get a, a foothold in the business, I'd see him. So I ran into him at a book signings. And when I moved to LA, I was writing these cartoon shows you mentioned mm -hmm. for Nickelodeon. And I went to a rap party for a show I wrote for, called Angry Beavers. And he was at the rap party. And, and I just kept running into him. And then years later, I got a job on Caroline's Comedy Hour. Now, this is the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I was writing for that show, with writing for, you know, comics that were on that show. Susie Essman and Mario mm -hmm. and my boss, Joy. And there's Gilbert again. And then we brought him back to do to play Robert Redford in an indecent proposal parody, as you do. <laughs> and, and I just kept, you know, I said, Gilbert, it's Frank. We, we met at the book party. Uh, we went out to a diner with a bunch of people i walked you home we i i wrote that thing for you we 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 had we sat at the table together at the, the no idea simpson no idea. eh simpson eh <laughs>
No, this went on for years. And it got funny. And it went on. Oh, my God. I mean, I read, the, of course, I tell the L.A. story. I saw him. I was living in L.A., mm -hmm. starving, as Bob and Ray would say, hanging by my thumbs. <laughs> out for a drive on a Sunday morning on Ventura Boulevard. And there he's walking down Ventura Boulevard on the sidewalk where nobody walks, let alone on a Sunday morning. And I did a Yui <laughs> and I pulled up next to him and I said, Gilbert, Frank Santo Padre. No idea. <laughs> this is now like the 10th time, 11th time I've, I've, I've approached him. So then I rolled down the window. Now I'm, now I'm reciting my Frank Gilbert credits, you know, <laughs> We, we met at the Nick party. I, I was at your apartment. Uh, I, I did that lampoon thing with you. You know, just going through everything. So I said, I'm on my way to the Beverly Garland Hotel. Yes, the Scream Queen, Beverly Garland. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had, a, uh, they had a nostalgia show on weekends. Okay. And it was an autograph show. Yeah. Autograph yeah. and memorabilia. You could buy lobby cards and posters mm -hmm. and movies, but you could also get Don Knotts and Howard Morris and the girls from Three's Company and Pat yeah. Harrington from what's that, One Day at a Time. And Adam was there. Adam West was there. And he gets in the car. I think I just got the Don out of Don Knotts out of my mouth. And he got in the car. <laughs> he liked to say I was like a guy with a van saying I have candy. Right. <laughs> and he just got in. He just got in the car. I mean, I could have been. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think he had some. He had maybe some sense of security in knowing that a kidnapper would have to be very creative to have come up with all of these. That's hey, true. we worked on Caroline's Comedy Central. <laughs> he got in the car. I drove him to this thing. I wound up introducing him to Adam West as we're walking around the room. I mean, you want to talk about surreal. He tells that story on the podcast where the woman, Adriana Castellotti, who was the voice of Snow White yeah, in 1939, who shows up, she's 85 years old, and she's dressed in the Snow White outfit. And she sang, yeah. she put a death grip on his arm and sang, Someday My Prince Will Come to him. It's the funniest thing I have ever witnessed <laughs> to this day. I hope I remember it. I hope it's the last thing I remember <laughs> on my deathbed. But still, still, now we spent a whole day together. I drove him there. I drove him back. I think the very next time I saw him, which was when I was a writer on the Joy Behar show, now maybe 10 years later, he had vague at the best at best, some vague knowledge of who I was. And he might have been just being polite. <laughs> we kept bringing him back on the Joy Show. We realized mm -hmm. he never turned down a TV invitation. So whenever we didn't have a guest. You had craft services. Of course he's not going to turn that services. down. He'd show up. He would show up for the cheese spread, my friend. <laughs> and the Sprite and the Perrier. No, you could you could be you could be doing a test pattern at three o'clock in the morning. You could you could be you know, uh, uh, he he would he would show up for you know for a uh, sunrise semester, which you shot at five o'clock in the morning in a, in a church basement <laughs> in Piscataway. Gilbert, we have pastry. He'd take the subway, so he we'd call him and he'd show up, and we'd put him in bits and we'd put him in things. And anytime there was a cancellation, call Gilbert. Mm -hmm. I got to know Dara. I got to know his wife because she was accompanying him. Mm -hmm. And I would tell her this. I would say, you know, you know, I've spent, spent hours with him, hours and hours and work with him on various projects. He has no idea who I am, but she had manners and she, <laughs> she had social. Sure. <laughs> we formed, a, we formed a friendship mm -hmm. with all the times that he came down there. And then, uh, she, she called me out of the blue one day and she said, he needs his act refreshed. 
because he hasn't written a new joke since 1999. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, they're having trouble booking him in the same venues to do the same act over and over again. He wasn't getting talk show invites because he didn't have anything new to plug. Right. You know, so she said, as a writer, can you work with him? And I, like a fool, I said, yes. And quickly, quickly realized, A, you cannot write for him. Right. You could write an intro for him. You can write a, a, a roast joke for him on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll do the Cloris Leachman roast joke right. that the writers wrote for him. You can't put jokes in his act. No. Because it, I couldn't write. A, how do you find that voice? Right. How do you how do you write a jellyfish dresses as Dracula to go trick-or-treating for plankton? <laughs> he would do a jellyfish. And put a napkin, a cocktail napkin, around like it was Dracula's cape. <laughs> and the jellyfish is knocking on people's doors, trick-or-treating. <laughs> and the people are answering the door and saying, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> Here's some Milky Way. Here's some candy corn. I want plankton. <laughs> Give me plankton. It's, it's, a, it's a squid and a jellyfish trick-or-treating. You can't. Right. <laughs> You can't write. I mean, this is one of my favorite jokes where he would say, he would say, uh, Bela Lugosi, when you ask him what time it is, but he's not wearing a watch, so he only takes a guess. Eight. That's the bit. <laughs> it would be like trying to tell Dali how to paint a painting. Yes, that's yeah. right. Or, or, yeah. or, or, uh, or Magritte, mm-hmm. you know, or some, you know, eight. <laughs> You know, I, you know I, and I, I realized, I realized one, you cannot write for this man. It's a, it's a, it's a unique voice and vision. And it comes from a very, very strange personal place. I could not. And I also knew number two, he'd never pay me. <laughs> <laughs> he called me when I was working on the joy show. He had called me. He was writing a memoir. He was co-writing a memoir, and he called me. <laughs> co-writing a memoir. I shouldn't That's... even say. I shouldn't even say this about him. But what the hell? He he's gone, and he'd laugh. He 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 said he called me to ask how he could get out of paying the other writer, of paying the ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Why are you asking a writer?" <laughs> For that, you should pay him double. You should. You're going to pay me for the advice. But anyway, we spent hours on the phone as I tried to figure out how I might write for him, how mm-hmm. I might, and and we abandoned it. I think in one call. Yeah. But but we started laughing. We you know, but we could talk about Darren McGavin and the Night Stalker, you know, for hours, mm-hmm. and we could talk about Larry Storch and the Great Race, or 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 Hogan's Heroes, or or. You know, or 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 Bonanza, or these crazy things that we would talk about, or his obsessions with with odd horror films, yeah. Toby Hooper film, uh, Life Force, uh, obsessed with Matilda May. Matilda May. Well, why wouldn't you be? Why she you is be? amazing in that. So that we just sit on the phone for hours. One call led to five, led to ten, and then mm-hmm. I couldn't get off the phone. And my wife would walk in the room and go, "Who the hell are you talking to?" <laughs> You've been on the phone for three hours. You said you were going to make dinner at six. You know, and we're talking about the time Vincent Price guest starred on F Troop as Count, Sfor- <laughs> Count Sforza. 
so he was the only person in my life or that I could have these conversations with. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think, I think the opposite was true. And finally, Dara said, my God, you guys laugh for hours. You know, you have your own language, you know, like, like twins or, you know, we mm -hmm. had our own, we yeah. had our own language that, and, and she said, why don't you do something with this? And podcasting was still in its infancy. We didn't know mm -hmm. what the hell it was. And I thought, who is going to listen to this? Mm -hmm. Who the hell is going to pay money or even put two hours into listening to us talk about Larry Hovis from Hogan's Heroes or, right. or, or the Magnificent Marble Machine, you know, defunct game shows? Mm -hmm. Nobody. But there you go. So I took the dare. She said, there's this podcasting thing. Mark Maron's having some success with it. Maybe it's something. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll find these New York celebrities. We'll go to their houses. We'll go to their apartments. Dara bought a rig. She bought a mic and a, and, mm -hmm. a, and a portable recording unit. And we went to Irwin Corey's house. That was a disaster. Yeah, that's that was, kind of a notorious story yeah, now. <laughs> wound, up in, wound up in the landfill. And, and, and Dick Cavett came to Gilbert's apartment on a snowy day in March, and, and, uh, and the rest is history. It just took off. He was sitting at the table. He walked in with his Groucho stories. Gilbert was doing the old Groucho, mm -hmm. and it was magic. And I was just trying to not be in the way. Yeah. You know, and, and then, uh, then we called Larry Storch. We knew he, he lived on Upper West Side, and we went to his apartment. And then we got Adam's number, and we called Adam, we called Ken Berry, and then Jay Thomas came to Gilbert's house, mm -hmm. and then Richard Kine came to Gilbert's house, and it was a party. Yeah. So it was a party, and we went to Barbara Feldon's house, and she put out lunch, and I talk about surreal, you know, uh, now I'm going to 90, Agent 99's house, and she's making <laughs> she's me lunch. Spread. She's got a spread out. Hey, you like liverwurst? <laughs> it was so surreal. It was like, am I living in this? You know? <laughs> I'm I'm at Larry I'm at Larry Storch's I'm in Larry Storch's den singing right. the F Troop theme with so him. Kind of, it was kind of like an an opposite of where you were in film school, where you're around these people that you couldn't really appreciate at the time because of yes, you. now I could. Now you're there and you're you're that's really a, in that moment. That's a good insight. Yeah, now I was in my fifties, and mm -hmm. I and I thought, well, this is you know this is just special. And I I I guess it took me. It was a fanboy thing. It was a yeah. combination of the Joe Franklin show. That's exactly what this is. Well, there you go. Where you know <laughs> people mock him, and he and he and rightly so in some ways. But he always wore his fandom on his sleeve. I mean, you had to love the way he loved Eddie Cantor. Yeah, and the way yeah. he loved Jessel, and 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 uh, and so that that's what we were doing. We thought, well, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of the old Cavett show. Mm -hmm. You know, where he would bring Orson Welles on for an hour, and you didn't yeah. get. There was nothing else like that on television. No. An hour of Orson Welles, an hour of John Huston. So we thought, well, well, we'll give these people an audience. We will gush over them. You know, one of Gilbert's points when we first started is he was watching The Love Boat in reruns. And he said, I watch these people that have been put out to pasture. And, you know, you see Ray Bolger on an mm -hmm. episode of The Love Boat long after. Yeah. Stop being, uh, you know, or you'd see uh, uh, Ethel Merman or Vivian Vance or, mm -hmm. or, or Donald O'Connor or somebody like that on the love boat. And Gilbert said, you know, just because they're 70, they're as good as they ever were, you know, yeah. to see red buttons, to see these people. And I said, well, let's 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 let that inform this show. Let us make it a Valentine to these people. I, I, I didn't really I didn't really put that into so many words. I just kind of mm -hmm. knew it. Yeah. In, instinctively. You know, um, and then I realized that Gilbert 
really was shy in front of these people. He he was a shy person mm -hmm. by nature for a performer, for an outrageous performer. Yeah. We'd go into Barbara Feldon's house or we'd go to uh, we went to Lee Grant's house. She let us hold her mm -hmm. Oscar. And oh, he wow. was he was both fanboy, but 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 um, but shy in their presence. Mm. And I realized that he he was going to have trouble kind of taking over the show. And the reason that my role grew from from George Fenneman, which is where I was originally. <laughs> if anybody knows that reference, I'll, I'll send you a check. <laughs> send me your address through Dylan and I'll send you a do each a dollar. I was content to be, you know, uh, 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 the guy filling in the blanks mm -hmm. or helping keep him on track. Yeah. He was searching for a name or a date that I was content to be Robin to his Howard, but or, or just the laugher. Mm -hmm. But but over the course of the next 10 or 15 shows, I realized I had to work harder because he was, first of all, he wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, um, um, he was uh, he was a better color man. If, and I'm going to use another mm -hmm. sports analogy. Yeah. Sports analogy. He was a better color man than he was a play by play man. It's a great dynamic between the two of you when when he was engaged. Sometimes with the musical people, you could kind of hear him kind of just <laughs> shut down. Oh yeah, the music, the music gets <laughs> most unless it was somebody he loved, like Jimmy Webb. Yeah, where he yeah. could bust on MacArthur Park or something. Right. <laughs> a lot of those music guests were all me, buddy. That was like when when I got you know when when I got a sense of the show and and it, mm -hmm. it started to work for me, um, and my role grew. Mm -hmm. Um, it grew to the point where I was completely in charge of bookings and, and, you know, right. who would, you know, he would call and say, who's on <laughs> and it's a bear. You got to come up with a celebrity. We've now established a, a, a format. Yeah. You got to come up with a celebrity every week. Some weeks you don't, some mm -hmm. weeks you, 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 you do a theme show. Hey, we're going to look at Saturday morning cartoons. Right. I'll find an author and an expert. Mm -hmm. And and you've got a show if you're lucky enough to find a, a Jerry Beck, yeah, or, or a yeah. Cliff Nesteroff. Mm -hmm. Always a good guest, but that's a history show, right? You right. can't have we couldn't have those guests every week either because there was an expectation mm -hmm. at a certain point that we were going to deliver a Joel Gray or an Alan Alda, yeah, or or a Marsha Mason or a Beverly D'Angelo, mm -hmm. and so it became it became a bear, really, yeah, a chore. To book, the, which is why I'm not rushing preach, into another podcast. Preach into the choir. I know I am. <laughs> but any of you who are listening who say, hey, I'll start my own podcast. Um, you know, a lot of them would come for Gilbert. A lot of them would say, oh, I'm a Gilbert fan. I can't wait to meet him. Right. Uh, a lot of them were not Gilbert savvy or podcast savvy. What's a podcast? What do I have to do? Right. Right. You know, so so some of them fell right into the net. Some of the fish jumped right into the net. And in, in other times, there was it took a lot of convincing and, and seducing of guests and seducing of publicists. It would take weeks mm -hmm. to book people. And then yeah. I started pulling in, you know, I booked the legendary Holland Brothers, the Motown, mm -hmm. the Motown. Incredible song episode. Great Thank episode. You. I wanted to meet them. So, you know, it's they say, make the movie you want to see. Right. And I do the podcast, you know, interview the podcast guests you want to meet. Mm -hmm. But they, they were on The View, so I had Whoopi help me with that. So I was always, at, I, at a certain point, I was calling in favors. Hey, I really want to meet X, so we really mm -hmm. want to have them on the show. Can you make a Godfather call?
and then guests like Richard Kind and Mario mm-hmm. and and Jackie Martling, who brought us Jack uh, Tommy James, and he brought us uh, yeah. so many people, Ron Delsner. So so guests started helping. Mm-hmm. Bierko brought us uh, Craig Bierko brought us Beverly D'Angelo, and Be- Beverly D'Angelo brought us Treat Williams, and then it, then a chain. It was a sort of a chain reaction. Yeah, I forgot my point in the original question, but well, no, it was just basically that kind of how it how it began and where what it grew to and how that's, it got that's, there. That's how it evolved. What um, it, it, I, to me, it was always a love letter. To me, it was yeah. I want to talk to these people and and I want to tell them what they meant to us. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I did all that research and the reason I did hours and hours and hours and days of work was because they weren't getting paid to come on, and I felt that the, their payment was a tribute mm-hmm. that their payment was we loved this we loved that we loved you we love the reason you did this was to know everything about them their process their background their history if they had famous parents we always did that mm-hmm. joel gray's father was a song parody yeah. musician mickey katz we always mm-hmm. give you give the duty your dad beverly d'angelo's father was a famous local celebrity in ohio we wanted to make that clear Mm-hmm. Um, always talked about Keith Carradine. We spent a lot of time gushing yeah. about, John, about John Carradine. So I actually, I I had Fred Olin Ray here. Oh, I oh, think I told you I was like, you got to you got to talk to him. Ah, um, he lost another lost. He was at John Carradine's funeral. He was oh. very good friends with the Carradines, oh, so he go. had great stories about them. But go on, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean I kick myself when you bring up these names or when I see Bob Rafelson passing. I mean it ruined my weekend, you know, because yeah. Bob was somebody I was going back and forth with. He had no Wi-Fi where he was. We couldn't get it mm. to work technically. But every time I, I hear a name or I go, oh, we didn't get Herschel Gordon-Lewis and we didn't get Fred Olin. Yeah. And we didn't get Bob Rafelson. And it, it kills me. But that would uh, that was going to be my question. I could have booked know, this the, show for 25 years. Yeah. I was going to ask about the guests that got away. And I know there many. were a few, you so like many. Jack Carter. Yeah. You finally get him to say yes. Then he goes and dies on you. That so. <laughs> The nerve of the guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> It, it, were there were there any that you really 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 wanted and you just couldn't make happen? Plenty. Who yeah. who would be the big fish and, that and got a, away? A lot of them were for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them are for different reasons. People would be not in good health, mm-hmm. and they they're not going to come out and tell you that. Their publicist right. is not going to say, "Well, they're forgetful right. and they're slipping, and we're mm-hmm. not doing interviews anymore." But you'd kind of read between the lines. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the publicist or a manager would say, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Send us some dates. And they never get back to you. And you realize you haven't seen this person on television in a decade. And so maybe yeah. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was the case. Um, you know, um, people like Tim Conway. Yeah. Um, people like, um, oh, so many people. Oh, my God. I mean, and then th- there are people who are still vital. Uh, 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 you know, that we just could like Richard Dreyfus that we yeah. could get to say. I remember our we lives. talked about that. And and Alice Cooper, who knew Groucho well mm-hmm. and had and, and was a Hollywood and Flemo. And, and he knew Flemo. <laughs> and we couldn't get Alice Cooper and we couldn't get Burt Bacharach. I mean, the list is long. Mm-hmm. Um, but Damn, Burt Bacharach would have been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure. But what you can't see here, because I have this, I have the, the, the visual yeah. uh, blurred. I'm sitting next to a wall. I've described this on the show. My wife bought this uh, grease board wallpaper, mm. and it's it's a it's grease board material, but yeah. it's it's adhesive on the back. And I glued it to the wall. And what you can't see here is this entire wall next to me. And I haven't erased it even after Gilbert's gone and the show ended. Mm. This entire wall is covered with names. There must be two hundred names on this wall. 
uh, Harvey Keitel, John Lithgow, John Waters, Martin Sheen, uh, Jeff Goldblum, the Smothers Brothers, mm-hmm. George Hamilton. He's one that got away. Yeah. Uh, the, but here's Bob Rafelson's name. That won't be. <laughs> uh, uh, but but I but I look at it sometimes at night and I have check marks next to all the people we did get that I never thought we'd get. You know, yeah. John Astin and and uh, and uh, and Mac Davis and uh uh all all of these people whose names John Sebastian and Michelle Phillips mm-hmm. and uh, and Rick Baker and and uh Oh that was a great one. Thank you. And Bob Balaban and, and another Brad, great one. Brad Garrett and so all the people that we did get you know I try to be uh, uh proud of that. I try yeah. to, my wife says you know well that's the great expression you know don't be don't be sad that it's gone be glad that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm living in the gratitude of 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 these people that we did manage. Alan Arkin. I mean, that was a that white was whale. a great one. He was a white whale from the beginning. And I yeah. said he'll never do it. He came on the Behar show. Uh, you know, he, he's he's um, what isn't what is a word? Uh, he's a, a little irascible. Mm-hmm. He, he's a little uh, does not suffer fools. Yeah. And so yeah. I thought he's never going to come and talk to us. He's a serious, serious man. <laughs> But you know the pandemic. That was one of the cases where the pandemic helped. Yeah, because people were home. He wasn't mm-hmm. shooting the Kaminsky method. He was home. They weren't in production, and we were able to. And then Anna Mark and his son called yeah. me home and said, "You know, thank you for doing that for me and my dad." I mean that that is your payment. It was a really great episode too. Listen to the two of them talk to each other about how great. much they admired each other. Yes. It was very wonderful. I was thrilled with that one and i and that was a father's day show mm-hmm. you know i started planning theme shows i tried to get mothers and their sons together i mean we mm-hmm. we had i had this dream idea dream show for dave uh, for um, sean cassidy and, uh, and shirley jones mm-hmm. uh, that i wanted to do for mother's day we wanted to do um um uh, um uh isla fisher and uh and um uh uh, uh um, connie stevens mm-hmm. um um Isla Fisher's Connie Stevens' daughter. Yeah, and and we we had all of these ideas. Said Isla Fisher. Now I'm now I'm forgetting who her daughter was. So shame on me. You can cut that part out. Okay. But but, <laughs> but I had all these theme shows. I've, I've dealt with so many names and so many public. I get it. I get it. We we there were so many people that slipped through the cracks, but there were so many people who came. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, when I think of myself sitting there talking to Dick Van Dyke and Norman Lear, who's 100 mm-hmm. today, by the way. Yep. Happy and, birthday and, to him. Yeah, and Carl Reiner and Robert Wagner and, and, and Joel Gray and Jimmy Webb and, and, and all of these wonderful people. And I just Malcolm McDowell and mm-hmm. David McCallum and just sitting there. And, and, and I, there was never a day when I didn't think, how the hell did I get here? That Joel Gray one was one where I, I wished there had been video. Oh yeah, because he was being so coy, the joke was and lost. playful, and I, you know, I, I could, I could tell that's what he was doing, but yeah. it was, it was difficult to when you just he, listen. He was pulling a Charles Grodin on us. Nice. If you, anybody remembers Charles Grodin's talk yeah. show appearances, he, he used to make it. He used to, he used to make a bit out of going on Carson and Letterman and being prickly. Yeah, yeah, and being difficult. Yeah, and 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 uh, and that's what Joel was trying to prank. <laughs> me and gilbert by giving us one word answers but he had a gleam in his eye the whole time but it doesn't yeah. work on audio because you right. can't see that he's being impish <laughs> but, but every one of those experiences um i'm so glad that dara had the idea 
Listen, I won't lie. I to am Dylan. too. Dylan, it was a debilitating amount of work. Mm -hmm. It took over my life. It exhausted me physically. Uh, uh, it, it exhausted me mentally. The bookings were were really hard to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave up a lot of my life for it. Yeah, you know, on top of a day job, I had two day jobs at the time, actually. Right. And and uh, I don't. I, but and here I sit. You know, six hundred and sixty something episodes later, certainly missing Gil and missing, I'm sure and missing the joy of doing that show. I I I don't think I'll ever do anything as good, and I don't think. And I hate to say it, I don't think I'll ever have more fun. Yeah. So, uh, it it was a it was a gift, and I and I and I I've said to Buzz, and I'll say it to you, hearing from all these people, discovering that this little silly thing that we decided to do, hey, are people going to care to listen to us talk about Forrest Tucker Schlong? Right. Is that a show? <laughs> That's not a show uh it came up last night in the other interview i was doing so. there you go well it came up did it uh but it, know, i i will say personally thousands and we, thousands of people I, how we know each other is because of what it meant to me and and how you and i met actually yeah. was, yeah, was, was through me writing you a letter saying yes. you know this was something that carried my my late wife and i through a lot of her treatments and things and i remember you know we'd come out from a a five-hour session of chemotherapy and get in the car and she'd go put on the peter marshall one and oh, you know sweet. we'd pop it on and just listen how to sweet. it on the drive home and how sweet um it it just it kind of uh it, it really did carry us through a lot of shit and oh, man. Uh, meant that, a lot to is, us that is the nicest thing and again that's that's why we're here and and i yeah. I, I thank you for reaching out to me and and for letting me know that you you never know when you start these things like i said before about to creative people mm -hmm. you know just try you know uh, 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 you know chase the things you love mm -hmm. do it do it for love you know and do yeah. it well and do it with your heart and do it because you want to give to something or to someone or you want to be you know come from a place of gratitude and 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 there'll be rewards you know all the friends I've made, including yourself, and thank you for asking me to do this. Of course. Um, it's an honor and, and, and a privilege uh, uh, and very touching. I shared your letter with so many people, <laughs> um, and, and, and that, that means the world. When Gil passed in April, and I'm still returning them, I, I, I got, I don't know, I can't put a number on it, but hundreds of messages mm -hmm. on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. Uh, mm -hmm. On Twitter, people texting me, not just celebrities, but who I heard from plenty and yeah. loved, loved hearing from them, of course, because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a lover of this stuff. But also listeners mm -hmm. by the hundreds and, and people with stories not too dissimilar to your own, that it got them through the, the death of a parent or, 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 or medical treatment or a time that they were losing their job or, or, mm -hmm. or, the, or just the pandemic. We couldn't have imagined that that this lark of a thing, this goof. I used to sit in diners with comedians till all hours of the night. There's a there's a famous diner here on the Upper East Side called the Green Kitchen. Okay. You can research it, and it's near the old Catch, a rising. Oh, star. okay, yeah, yeah. And you'd go and see a show, and and I'd go out with. The, I started to know comics, and I'd go out with the comics, and you'd sit. 
and you'd laugh. It wasn't too dissimilar to Broadway Danny Rose's Carnegie Deli. <laughs> Funny people sitting around telling stories, telling war stories. That's all that what this was meant to be. The original conceit was, hey, we'll sit in a diner with Joe Franklin or Larry right. George. That wasn't really doable. It became Gilbert's Kitchen. Right. And then finally, right. finally, it became an engineer in a studio <laughs> where we decided to be professionals. Um, that's all it was. Yeah. We never thought that that our little inside stuff, our little trivia, our little shared experiences of this showbiz minutia mm-hmm. would resonate and have meaning for people like you and thousands, the thousands and the thousands of people that reach out to me. Yeah. I said at the end of the last episode, I said, it is the joy of my life. It is, it is, it is to, to know that you created anything that touches people. Yeah. Um, I'm flabbergasted by it. I really am. I, 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 I thank everybody. I mean it. I, I, I handwrite a little thank you note to everybody who buys merch on the merch site. Amazing. Mm-hmm. merch.com. There we go. Get that the plugs a, in. A Gilbert, that was a Gilbert worthy <laughs> sneak plug. <laughs> I, I remain thrilled, and I, I don't have any perspective on the show, and I won't for years, I'm sure. Yeah. I but mean, I, it's a hell of an achievement, and, and it's over. I'm sure it's overwhelming for you to look at that, to look at is. that wall next to you and look at it all is. the check marks it and, and try and conceptualize. That must be it, it, surreal it, is the easy word for it. But. We thought we'd do it for a year or two and get mm-hmm. bored and, and move on, or, or audiences would move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. When the Carl Reiners and the Robert Wagners and the Alan Aldas and the Alan Arkins, when when these people, Neil Sedaka, Jimmy Webb, when these people started walking in, icons, mm-hmm. you know, SAG Life Achievement winners and Oscar yeah. winners and, and, and Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, and people started walking into the room and saying, I love the show. And we realized, it, uh, Judd Apatow said to me not long ago, he said, it was more than a podcast, it was a public service. Absolutely. To put, to put these people on a mic um, to tell their stories before the stories are gone and before they're gone. Yeah. And that's that's what it became to me. So well, it certainly inspired me with what I'm doing here. I'm, well, I'm trying to do the exact same thing just with thank you. more obscure people. <laughs> well, listen, you know, it's not about obscure. It's about it's about, uh, you know, we we interviewed plenty of people who were not household names. Right. Uh, uh, you are, you, you're, it's you're, a passion. It's a passion. It's I a have passion. a passion for this kind of stuff. And that's the people I want to talk to Good yeah. for you. And you know, and if you do borrow anything from us, I would say, borrow the, borrow the, uh, uh, borrow the affection and the, and the gratitude, you know, make sure that then you, yeah, I know you're already doing that, that the Jack Hills and those people that mm-hmm. you bring through know how much they meant, Yeah, you know, that they're, they're a brick in a, in, in the wall. As you know, Lord Michael said to Gilbert once yeah, right. at, at, at an SNL party. I, I actually asked Jack um, toward the end, I asked him uh, what he thought his legacy was. And, you know, I haven't thought about it much. And then he went on and then he came back to it as we were rapping and, and he started tearing up. He actually cried. And he said, oh, sweet. he said, I, I was um, at a convention and this young black woman came up to me and she said, when I was 14, my mom sat me down and had me watch coffee. So she, and she said, I want you to know what life was like. There you go. And that's, have, a good mo- that's a good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Good for, good for him. You know, everybody does this work. And, and, and a, a, the thing about show business is that 
the the more you do it, you know, the glamour and the novelty goes away t- uh, for a lot of it. Not for all, pretty mm-hmm. quickly. And you realize it's a job. Yeah, yeah. I write for a network television show every day. I was lucky enough to win an Emmy, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, I forgot to put that in your bio. Ah, at the it beginning. doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I have it in the closet. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's, um, it, it becomes a job. Yeah, you know, it yeah. becomes it becomes a job, and uh, and uh, you 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 get a little jaded, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you can, if you can hold on to the parts of it that you love, yeah, and and uh, and uh, and you can hold on to that 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 feeling of gratitude. For me, every show, we turn on the mics, and here's Keith Carradine. Now, what am I going to say to him? Right. You know, I got to tell him how important this movie is. I got to tell him how important his father was. Mm-hmm. You know, we got and 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 go deep. Yeah, that 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 was that was the gift to these people. Again, we weren't paying them, so so it was it was a Valentine. Yeah, yeah. But if you but if you're lucky enough in the business to 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 do a couple of things like this, where you connect with people, where you make an authentic connection, mm-hmm. it's just a gift. It's a, it's a it's a it's it's a lovely thing. It's the best thing that ever happened to me in the business after banging around and doing everything for three decades that's wonderful and it and it made me friends like you at an age where i thought i was i wasn't going to make new friends <laughs> i i got you know i'll never pay for another lunch in new york <laughs> you know nice so many, even better <laughs> so many fans of this show that that uh it just it just warms my heart and i and i'm uh look i miss him like crazy but yeah i'm I'm proud of what we created, and I'm proud that it, that it will have some um, some lasting value for people. And and I'm and I'm extremely grateful that it brought people like you into my orbit. So well, thank you. I I, I mean, obviously, I I love the show. I I can't I tell you how many times I've listened to some of the episodes. The Dick Thanks. Miller one I've listened to. He was a character endlessly. Um, yeah. I'm obviously a fan. So you, I'm not gonna. You, I won't. Oh, what's you, that? You could see their faces. This is the last thing I'll say. You'd get on the Zoom, or you'd get in those days we were doing Skype. Yeah. And yeah. Dick and Laney, his wife, were in LA right. with their dogs running with around. With the dog. <laughs> Every now and then, a guest would get on, and you could see the eagerness in their face. You could see their their eyes light up, because because we knew so much about them. Yeah. You know, and they knew they were in good hands. Mm-hmm. And you could see if you read a person, if you could read a person's face. You could see and read the pride, yeah, in their face as we recounted their accomplishments, yeah, you know, and 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 you know, and I get an email from Neil Sedaka saying I've never been interviewed like that, you know, where mm-hmm. you know where I knew about his aunt's record collection that he was locking himself in the bathroom, right? Such intense weeks long research, yeah, that that these became psychological life profiles. Mm-hmm. There was nothing better than seeing their faces. When they, when they, you know, when they realize, well, that they're not going to probably not going to get a Kennedy Center tribute. You know, this right. is it. <laughs> right. Right. This is it. We're two guys who know everything about you. Mm-hmm. We loved what you did. We're grateful. It, it was such a part of our lives and who we are and such an inspiration to us and why we're here. Mm-hmm. And then we shared that with, with thousands. Um, that, that made it so worthwhile I, you know it's a wonderful gift i mean it is to the to the guests to the world 
Um, and it's and the there's got to be a satisfaction too in knowing that even though now it's ended, it's still going to exist and it's still gonna people are gonna keep finding it. There'll always be new listeners coming I hope in. So I hope so. You know, everything dates, everything ages, everything has its time. <laughs> you know, but we've lost maybe 30, 35 guests even since we began yeah. in twenty fourteen. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, including obviously Gilbert himself. Well, uh, like my my son is 24 and he knows who the marx brothers are and he's into he's into that stuff so he's gonna you know he'll he'll seek this stuff out and he'll find like-minded people and it's it's still going to be vital i think down the road that's sweet of you to say i i i i realize that as famous as these people are um they start to become regular people to you the more you talk to them and the more you realize they want people to remember their dad yeah, they want people to know this thing that they did that was that was important to them. They're mm-hmm. people. Yeah, you know. So if you met them at a party, they they you'd you'd want to treat them the same way. You'd want to say, well, this this was your dad's work was important to me, and here's why. You know yeah. that that there's, you know, we we gave. I think we gave good guests. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. I, I think I think <laughs> I think that you know we were rank amateurs at what we were doing. But I think that uh, I think that part came naturally to us, and I'm very proud of of what we did. So well, I, I won't. I, I, I never mind talking about it. I won't ask who your favorite guest was. I think that's an impossible question for anybody. Impossible. But what what about your favorite celebrity rumor that came from the podcast? Oh my God, there were so many. Because there's some good ones. I can't even tell you the. I, I can't even tell you my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. Silly stuff. You know, I mean, mean the Caesar, the Caesar Romero one, of course, is, I mean, is the legendary the one, one known for. We we even sell orange wedge pins <laughs> right. on our on our website on our and merch listeners. Site. I'm not going to tell you about it. You have to go listen to the podcast if you haven't yet. Sure. It, it, pick any one; it will be brought up. I mean, that's my favorite. <laughs> I mean, but you know, also guests would come on with their own, and you can't right. verify them because everyone's dead. Well, Ronnie Shell came in with. I think it was a Scotty Bauer one about the Alan Ladd and the chicken. Alan Ladd and the didn't chickens. that show up in full service? I didn't read the book because I knew. Oh, that, I, it's I knew incredible! Scott, I knew Scotty Bauer's was a bridge too far, even for us. <laughs> because it was just going to be it's absolute garbage and i yeah, love every second of it we, you know i like a happy medium you know <laughs> i wanted to book a show where yes we would praise all of these people and then right. maybe 10 percent of it was salaciousness right but i knew i knew scotty's book was going to be 90 minutes of gilbert just screaming and cackling and just and right. just dirt upon dirt and all, all of it unverifiable Oh, absolutely. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. So uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure the, I haven't read it for years, but I'm pretty sure that's where the Alan Ladd story came from. That was a great one. You know, yeah. Dave, uh, uh, Bruce Valanche came on and had his own, you know, about Joan Crawford peeing that on, David, peeing on Niven. David Niven. That it's is hilarious. One of the best stories. I mean, you can't. First of all, everybody's dead. Yeah. You can't prove or disprove any of this stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> Gilbert loved to track half the shit Gilbert said. I mean, you know. This story about Mickey Rooney being serviced at a payphone while he called his wife, you don't know that that ever happened. And whoever told you that doesn't know that that ever happened. Right. We're not even sure of the Pat McCormick helicopter story, although Ronnie Shell says it did happen. And Tim uh, Conway confirmed. Well, and Buck kind Henry. Of. Buck Henry's. We didn't have Tim, but Buck, yeah, he said it to Gilbert. Buck Henry confirmed it. So. Mm-hmm. 
I guess we'll take their word for it, but you 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 don't know. And that is part of the fun of it. Yeah. The part of yeah. the fun of it is living in the in the lore. It's the, the fun of the dirt. It's like reading a Keith Anger book. You know, you yeah. you're doing yeah. it just for the dirt. You don't care if it's real or not. That's why Gilbert and I had, I think, the right chemistry. Yeah. Because I was I was really going over uh, going out of my way to do that sincere mm-hmm. cavit reverent type interview. Mm-hmm. And Gilbert was content to keep throwing a, a, a an M80 into the room, <laughs> you know, and running, you know, and just throwing in Cesar Romero and sex with chickens and, and that crazy story about the dog and Jacqueline Bissett and, and some and he, shitty movie they were in. Right. And then he, <laughs> then he, then he bust their balls for making a bad movie. You know, I could never do that. So he, he brought such irreverence and such, uh, uh, that, that, that anarchy yeah uh, to the show and and that's why i think as i told buzz knight that's why i think that the combination was magical yeah it was it was the, a great straight, dynamic you got the straight and you got the constant threat of absurdity yeah you well know. frank we are like a half hour over what what you committed to so oh, i don't want to keep you any cut longer it into a six-parter yeah um we didn't even get to skidoo i will tell you a quick story on skidoo Please. very quickly so my, I, I'm dating someone now and, um, she, 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 mom, don't listen to this part. She had never done LSD and she was curious about it. And I, I was well-versed in it. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't done it for a while, Do tell. but I said, uh, I said, well, let's, let's get some and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of take a little ride. And so we dropped and then we're kind of sitting around, you know, you wait that hour for it to start kicking and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And I went, let's watch Skidoo. And she'd never seen it. So we threw it on. So her first acid trip was watching a movie about Jackie Gleason taking an acid trip. And it was, it was a very surreal experience. Wow. But (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure how to describe that or react to that. I doubt, you know, Krasner, Paul Krasner said that Groucho actually dropped acid, but I don't, I don't think that's true. I can't imagine. And I, I can't imagine that Gleason did either. Although. I mean, Cary Grant did. I mean, there was yeah, that, that Cary little Grant. chic to it right, at that right. time, but I right. can't imagine Gleason doing it. I mean, when you, when you look at the results of that movie, maybe Preminger did, or Definitely. maybe somebody <laughs> slipped him something bad. Maybe he snorted Drano. He that, was using the brown acid. <laughs> That movie is not even a fun bad movie. There are there are. Fun, oh, I disagree. Oh God, it's 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 like a it's like surgery. So I showed it. I used I screen movies here in town, and I showed that one. I hadn't watched it yet, and so it's the only movie I showed sight unseen. Yeah, it got standing ovation. I don't understand. Everyone's, people were thrilled. Everyone's bad in it. At every, it's wonderful just, people. It's an incredibly bizarre, engaging yeah. film. I'm, gl- I'm glad it exists. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful curio, and it's wonderful to talk about yeah. and mock. But, I mean, even Harry Nielsen doesn't come off well. And, I, and, and you know. That ending, I, the end credits, when he started singing them, I usually at that point would get up and turn the sound down, let the credits run while I gave some factoids. But I'm like, well, we'll let him sing the names. And then it kept going and kept going. And then we're all just like, how far is this going to go? Then he's singing the copyright. I'm like, this is the craziest fucking movie I've ever seen. It's crazy. (laughs) I don't know what Preminger and Preminger made some good films like Laura and where the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Incredible. uh, films. Advise and consent. I think Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, but I don't know what the hell happened there. I mean, it's like, <laughs> hey, let's make a counterculture movie. Right. <laughs> with all the wrong people. Including Cesar Romero. And, well, again, <laughs> you do get three Batman villains. That's true. <laughs> all right. Well, Frank, thank you so much. Um, I want to give a quick thank you to uh, James Lorenz, uh, Gre- uh, Gregory Garazar. I, I don't want to thank either one of those guys. <laughs> I will tell you what Greg sent to me. And and uh, he said, you know, I, don't, I can't think of any good stories, but he, he you mentioned earlier Broadway Danny Rose. He said yeah. he said it was like that. It was like Broadway Danny Rose, where we were all in the room trying to be the funniest one there. And Frank always was the one. Frank oh, was always the funniest in the room. He's far too kind. <laughs> well, I I appreciate so much your time for this. Hey, uh, this has Dylan. been great. This, it was listen. It was a joy, and uh, thank uh, you. Thanks for all the nice things you said about the show. And as I said, I, I I am glad it created the circumstances that led to us meeting. And yeah, anything I can do for the show going forward, or or for you personally, let me know. Thanks, Frank. I really thank appreciate you, your Dylan. Time. Have a great evening. Talk to you later. Bye, bu- bye buddy. Bye bye. Frank Santapadre. What a cool guy. I really like talking to him. I'm certainly glad to have met him. I'm glad that uh, we kind of formed a friendship over time here, uh, just talking about this stuff. I know it doesn't really adhere to the cold movie format of this podcast, but uh, go listen to theirs and you'll see why I think he is such an interesting guy. So many great guests they had. If nothing else, go listen to the Dick Miller one if you haven't already. It's fantastic. Dick Miller is exactly what you would want him to be. Uh, Just great. Uh, Next up, it's going to be Chris Frieri with Ghost Limb Films. Uh, Obscure little film company out of New York. Made uh, a couple movies that I remember from my youth. uh, Short films. The sci-fi parody, The Orbitrons. And the uh, teenage... I Was a Teenage Mummy. Another great parody uh, slash horror film very interesting watches Uh, anyway check it out it'll be up uh, in a couple weeks until then get out in the world try and play a little bit while we can before the apocalypse happens and while you're out there take care of your servers because at the Walter Paisley movie house we do not piss on hospitality see you next time kids